says is true. Amen. And God is not a God of favorites. He is not partial. What he, he do for others, he'll do for us. Amen? Amen? There may be a day when you and I walk to the temple, we walk to the church, come to church, and we see somebody, and they're instantly healed before you even come in the building. Amen? Amen? Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Get up and take up your bed and walk. Amen? Amen. It doesn't have to be in the church. It can be outside the church as well. The, the Lord gave me a message this morning. I believe it's from the Holy Spirit, and my title is Watch and Pray. We need to learn as believers to continue and be reminded, because this is not the first time I've taught on this. And, but I believe that today you and I need to be reminded that we are to be believers, to be watchful and praying. In the Greek, that word watch, it doesn't mean this. That's, that's a watch. To watch and pray means watch means in the Greek to be awake. If you've noticed, before I get to the scripture, this was spoken in the word of God by Jesus. There's a a little word there, and, watch and pray. We are to awake, to be alert, to be attentive, and pray. You can't sleep and be slumbersome and slothful and pray. You got to watch and pray. Amen? Amen? It's important to stay awake, to be alert, to be awake, not just physically, but spiritually, to the surroundings around you. When a man or a guard is guarding the wall, is he good if he's fallen asleep? No, if he's slumbering and his head is down, that means he's not watching. He's not alert. He's not paying attention to his surroundings around him. How many of you are glad that we have a church where we don't have to be afraid because of our surroundings or because of the neighborhood we live in? We come here with confidence knowing that the Lord has angels around us, around this property, around us individually, and also we use our wisdom, amen, to make sure that we're watchful in our church. We live in a day and age, we've all heard it, we've all seen it, where there's things that have happened in synagogues and churches and temples that should not be going on. But we here always want to watch and pray to make sure that we know our surroundings and where we're at. Amen? You know, we don't have to remind each other that Rockford is not exactly a Christian city. There's a lot of great Christians in Rockford, many. I remember when I drove that bus, I had a lot of believers get on my bus. I, I've learned that there's a lot of good Christians in Rockford, but there's a lot of darkness in this city as well. Amen? There's a lot going on. All you have to do is go down to the police station on Broadway or down on West State Street and talk to a couple of the police officers. How'd your week go? You'll find out real quick. They're very busy. Diana and I live off of 11th Street in a pretty rough area. A, a real rough area, actually, but thank God our landlord is a spirit-filled, born-again believer, and he owns about 50 houses. He owns all of 12th Avenue and all of 13th Avenue. Almost every house on the block, and even across over by the old General Shepherd Church, he owns them over there. He owns homes in Pecatonica and Roscoe. But I, I asked him, and he's been asked before, because obviously if you own 50 to 60 homes, you think you're, you're set financially pretty good when you pay cash for them? Yes, he's doing well. He still drives a 1980 station wagon. He doesn't live, if you looked at him, you would think he was down at the rescue mission, honestly. But Dave, our landlord, is a gem. He is, he is full of the word of God. That's, he's constantly witnessing and ministering to people. And he said to me, he said, Matt, my family comes to me 
and they ask me periodically, why do you still live on 12th Avenue when you could live anywhere you wanted to in, in Winnebago County and live in pretty much any house you wanted to? He goes, because this is my mission field. This is what God called me to do. He said, Matt, I can't explain it to them, but I'll tell you. He says, every day I walk up and down these streets as I'm mowing their lawns and taking care of them, fixing their plumbing or whatever. I'm praying that God leads me to pray for somebody to, to win them to the Lord. This is my mission field. Amen. He says that. Now that is a man that's going to be rewarded greatly in heaven because he could live like a king, but he chooses to live humbly before the Lord because it's his mission field. Now, does that mean it was wrong if he did decide to build a beautiful brand new home? No, it's not. It's just his calling and he obeys it. And we do live in a rough area. We live in a rough area and this church is in a rough area. Yesterday, Diana and I were at, on uh, Kishwaukee going to the McDonald's drive-through and right there next to the McDonald's is a Dollar General. And as we're pulling into the drive-thru, five, four or five kids go running out. And I looked at Diane and I said, I think they just robbed that place because they are booking. And one of them had something in his hand. And sure enough, the attendant come out of the door with her phone, writing a number down and, and getting called. And then she locked the doors real quick. And sure enough, we, the police showed up, like five, six, seven, eight police showed up. And they, they were getting robbed is what happened. And so we actually testified to the police. We remembered some of the clothing, things like that. But I was reminded yesterday at that moment, we live in a pretty rough area. Even in broad daylight, these kids will go in. I remember a year ago, uh, I was at the other dollar store off of Alpine, Cecil, over by your house at that shopping. I went in during the day, and, and Diane and I, get, you get to know the clerks a little bit. They're friendly, and we talk to them. And we, the lady didn't seem the same that day. And she goes, well, I'm a nervous. I'm a little nervous. I go, why? She goes, yesterday, broad daylight, about six teenagers come in with guns and robbed us and kicked everybody out of the store and ramshacked the store and held us at gunpoint during broad daylight and got away with it. As far as we know, they got away with it. In broad daylight. They don't do it at night anymore. They'll do it right in broad daylight. And I was reminded again. I was up this morning. I was in my kitchen praying. I got up around 2.30 or 3 in the morning and I was praying, seeking the Lord because I was reminded to, if you're going to preach and teach on watch and pray, you need to watch and pray. You can preach it and teach it, but if you don't live it and practice it, it's another thing. I want to practice what I preach and preach what I practice. So I'm up watching and praying and seeking the Lord and praying in the Spirit and, and, and literally, I'm being honest with you, I, I was toward the end of my prayer time, it got to be around 3.30, 3.40 and I'm standing in the kitchen praying in tongues, just praying there in the Spirit, worshiping the Lord and I'm going from the kitchen to the bedroom. I sat down and Diana was asleep and I'm sitting on the end of the bed and all of a sudden, bam, 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 bam six shots. As close as me to Cecil away, out our window. And it sounded really close. I didn't know how close, but it happened. And it jumped everybody up out of, you know, Diana was in a sleeping slumber. She flew up and went out. And I just kind of peeked out. We have a front porch. I looked out. And within a minute, one minute, one minute, DTEX, cops, were surrounding the entire block in front of our house. And they all had flashlights looking for the bullets. Now, how would they know where the bullets are? Let alone, how did they know what street it was? Amen. Pastor Matt, about two years ago, I went down to Broadway. They had a thing for ministers and chaplains, and they told us that day, they said Rockford is about to invest in a $300,000 satellite 
that is over the city, and that is one of the reasons why they placed the police station off of Broadway is because the crime is so high in that region, that area. But there's a satellite that detects exactly when a gunshot goes off, what kind of gun it is, where the bullets are laying on the ground, and sure enough, they were right in the street about from me to Betty away from the back end of my car. And that's how close it was. And I told Diana, I said, there's not, it's not coincidence or happenstance that I was praying in tongues in the spirit 10 minutes prior to that. And think of this, that gun shooter, whoever he was, was probably in my street as I was praying to the Lord at that moment. And who knows what the angels of the Lord were doing? Because when we pray in tongues and pray in the spirit, we're praying for God's will to be done. And I know God's will is that no harm or injury or tragedy come to my family, amen, or yours, amen? I just want you to know that it's very important that we watch and pray. And now, it's very important to remember that Jesus did the same thing. He watched and prayed, and he set the example for you and I. There was many nights Jesus prayed all night long, and he lived 33 years, but, and all his life is not written in the Bible. We, his years of teenagers and, and, and all his 20s, was not, there's not a lot written in there. We don't know, but he was a man of prayer. I promise you, he prayed and sought his Father in heaven because he never sinned. He lived in the will of God every moment of every day, the perfect will of God. And if you're not watching and praying and seeking the Lord in prayer and watchfulness, you can't be in God's will. You'll get in your flesh. You'll get in fear. So Jesus watched and prayed more times than what we've read about. And he did it all night long, but he wasn't praying for his own sins like you and I are up sometimes doing. Amen. He wasn't repenting because he didn't sin. He was praying for the sins of Israel. He was praying for the move of God's spirit, for their hearts to be sensitive and open. And who knows what else he prayed, but it wasn't for his own sin. But you and I may take times in our life, in our prayer time, watching and praying where we say, Lord, cleanse me, have mercy on me, wash me, forget, so that you can begin to pray. How many of you have a hard time praying if you've got sin in your life? Yeah, it's difficult. You have a guilty conscience. If you have a guilty conscience, it's hard to go to the throne of grace. Amen. That's why that word came forward. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. You go to God's throne of grace and mercy asking for forgiveness then, and he forgives you. He cleanses you of your unrighteousness. And we are to watch and pray how often? Often. Often. Not once a week, not once every two weeks, not once a month. We are to pray often. Matthew, can you put up the first slide there? I want to go right to Mark chapter 13. And it says this. Look what it says. But of that day and hour, no one knows. I don't know why, why is Pastor Matt all of a sudden going right into the end times here? Because you and I live in the end times and we're in the last days. And we're part of the body of Christ and believers that are living in the last days and the end times. And the Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon. In the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be snatched away and caught up in the air. Hallelujah. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then you and I with the Lord are going to meet him in the air. Amen? And we are to watch and pray more often than we should. We are to be like Daniel prayed. We are to be like Moses prayed and Abraham and those that sought the Lord. You and I should be a church and believers that really learn to watch and pray even more so because of the days that we live in and the hour of eternity that we live in. Remember last week I said the hourglass, the, the hourglass, the sands of time are getting not down. It's getting down there to the end, you guys. You and I need to learn to watch and pray more often. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven. 
Not Gabriel, not Michael. They don't know when Jesus is going to get that. They don't know when the trumpet's going to be blown. Nor the Son, but only the Father. Say that with me. But only the Father. Only the Father knows what? When that day and hour comes. But we know one thing. He is coming. And we know another thing. He's coming in the twinkling of an eye. Very quickly. Quickly. Gone. Gone. Where'd the church go? Where's the, where, where, where's, where's the one in the field? There's one there. There was two there. Now there's only one. Amen? And it's going to happen very quickly, but only the Father knows. So look what it says in verse 33. It says, take heed. Look at your neighbor and say, take heed. Take heed. In other words, wake up. Remember what that Greek word watch means. It means to be awake, be alert, be attentive, pay attention to what your surroundings are going around you. Spiritually speaking here now. Amen? Take heed, watch, and pray. Not just pray, but watch and pray. For you do not know when the time is. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to what? To watch. The doorkeeper is to watch. You and I are to be like those that are standing on the wall and interceding and watching and praying for our city, for our family, for our nation. Amen? Watching and praying that God, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But before you come, I want to win some people to Christ. I want to do the will of my God, my Father. I want to do His will, and His will is that no one perish. His will is that we, what? Preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Pray for the sick. Lay hands on the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Amen. Do the will of the Father. Watch and pray and then occupy until he comes. I still remember, I still remember you guys, it was, it was uh, I got saved in 1980, so it was between 80, I'm going to say 1982-ish or 83. It's either my junior or senior year. My pastor, the church I went to was in the town of Milton where I grew up. But he gave me a key, like I have a key here. He gave me a key to go there and pray at night. So during high school years, I would go and pray at night. And I would seek the Lord and, and sing and, and pray and seek the Lord. And there was a little area there in the church where there was, where there was some couches and chairs. And it was a storefront that he'd rented. He'd rented out as our church was a storefront. So it was all lined up with windows. And there was a pretty busy road out there. And I remember this one clear night. This clear night, I was seeking the Lord. And I sensed that he wanted me just to be still and hear him and, and don't utter anything, just sit before the Lord. And I remember sitting there in that church late at night, and I was sitting there quietly before the Lord, saying, what are you trying to say to me, Lord? What are you trying to say, Holy Spirit? And I just sat quietly there in that building. I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything in my spirit. And all of a sudden, I'm looking out this window of the storefront, and I seen a red light flashing. It was an airplane going by with his red light flashing. And as soon as I seen that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, watch and pray, be alert. I'm coming quickly. I'm coming soon. Now that was 1982 or 83. And I felt such an urgency, a sense of urgency in my spirit when the Holy Spirit said that. I went and told all my friends at school that were believers, we need to really seek the Lord. He's coming quickly. He's coming quickly. I was praying the other night, and, and I seen this red flash from this airplane, of all things. 
And as soon as I seen the red light flash and the Holy Spirit was saying, watch and pray, I'm coming quickly. As quickly as you see it flash, that's how quickly I'm taking my church away. Be alert. I'm looking for those that are seeking me and drawing near to me while, they may be, while I may be found. Seek me while I may be found. Call on me while I can still hear. In other words, watch and pray. And folks, how many years ago was that? Almost 40. And the Lord still is coming. It means it's that much sooner and that much quicker coming. Amen? We need to watch and pray. We need to take heed and, and be awake. And what do we need to be awake to? I wrote this down. We need to be awake and guarding the wall is one thing. We need to guard the wall of your own premises, your own, your own home. Take authority in your own home. I plead the blood of Jesus over every doorpost in our house, especially the front doors, the entrance of the bedrooms. I plead the blood of Jesus periodically, and I kick the devil out. I kick rebellion out or whatever needs to be kicked out, spirits of wickedness that you do not have any place in this home. You have to guard your own home or you're going to let anything in come in your home. And you have to guard your own home. Listen, I'm saying this to myself, but we need to guard our own home by the things we watch on TV. You got watch and pray, but watch what you're allowing in your home. Watch what you're allowing on your computers. Be careful. That's not condemnation. I'm not condemning you guys. I'm telling you, you don't want to allow things in that should not be allowed. Amen? So we need to guard the wall, and we need to guard the wall of our own spirit and our own life by watching and praying. Guard, protect. And this is what I wrote down. Guard your heart. When you watch and pray, guard your heart, lest you you get a hardened heart. Sin will harden our hearts. Our hearts can be hardened. I pray that often, Lord, soften my heart. I don't want to be hardened to sin. The devil is a liar and a deceiver. He will try to deceive. The Bible says in the last days he will even try to deceive the very elect, if at all possible. He is a deceiver. He's a liar. He's always been a liar. Jesus said he's the father of lies. And can you imagine the Pharisees and Sadducees saying, Jesus, you're of the devil. And he looked at him and says, your father is the devil. My father's in heaven, and I do the will of my father. Amen. And we want to guard our heart. And also what we want to guard is our mind, our thought life. You guard your walls. You guard the heart of your walls. You guard your spirit. You guard your mind, your thought life. Amen. You guard it. How? How do you guard your mind? You watch and pray, and you stay in the Word of God. You stay in the Word of God. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces. It transforms you. It changes you. You guard your mind with God's thoughts. Perfect peace comes to those whose mind is stayed on thee. Not on thee or that. Stayed on thee. Amen. That's how we have peace in the midst of a storm. And as soon as I heard those gunshots... I probably shouldn't have done it, but I went out on the porch. But we live on an upper porch. But I was already prayed up. I was praying, and I just said, Lord, I thank you for your protection. And I pray for your angels around this entire block. And I thank you, Lord God, that no bullet went through a window, that no bullet went flying through. I mean, it wasn't one shot. It was six bullets. So what would that be, Cecil? Entire pistol emptied out? Almost the whole clip was emptied out. Now, do you think the devil is still alive? Do you think the devil is still roaming the earth? Do you think the devil is the prince of the power of the air? And listen to this. Do you think that John 10 is true, where it says, The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, 
and destroy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he hates Christians. He hates those that are believers, and he hates you if you watch and pray. He doesn't want you seeking the Lord and drawing near and walking in God's will. He wants to destroy you in any way he can. So we need to guard our heart, our mind. And number three, I wrote, guard your words. Guard the lips and the tongue. Amen. We guard. We put a guard on it. Be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger. For anger does not produce or promote or bring about righteousness. It brings about shame and wrath, and it brings strife, and we don't want to be that way. Amen? It doesn't mean you won't sin. It doesn't mean you may not have moments of anger, but don't live in, don't be an angry person full of anger and wrathfulness. Amen? It leads to slander and strife and gossip, and it just, it's a snowball effect. So we need to learn to guard our heart, guard our mind, and guard our words as we watch and pray. And it's not wrong. I actually heard a preacher, Dwayne knows who he is. I won't mention him by name. But he actually said that he doesn't believe Psalm 51 is relevant anymore today. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. He said we shouldn't be praying that. Well, why not? He's, the reason he says because Jesus already cleansed our heart. Our heart is already cleansed. I pray, create in me a clean heart. Lord, cleanse me. The Bible says, Lord, search me and know my way. Search my heart. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Search my heart if there be any hard way in it, any hardness to it, any selfish way in it, any way of slothfulness. I bet you every one of us, I'll put my own hand up. Don't think that I'm, I'm one that prays three, four, five hours every day. We can get, all get slothful. We can all get lazy at times. We live in America. It's, it's a spirit on our country, a slothfulness, lazy. We want everything given to us. We want everything free and easy and comfortable. We don't want to have to have discipline and struggle and, and, and let alone, um, you know, have a life of where we seek the Lord faithfully and pray consistently. And I don't mean just shooting up prayers from the hip. I mean where you really spend time with the Lord and you watch and you pray and you intercede and you seek the Lord's face diligently. How many want more of that in your life? How many of you want to be a believer where you really learn to have a life of prayer and you watch and pray? And it's not just for your own self, your own family, but you're praying for others. You're praying for the church. You're praying for revival. You're praying for our president. You're praying for our country. You're praying for other things other than just your own little world. Amen? Amen. How many are glad that Jesus intercedes for us all the time? Amen. Let's go to the next slide. Matthew here. Watch therefore. What does that say right there? Watch therefore. Who said that? Jesus. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowning of the rooster, or in the morning. In other words, the Father is the only one that knows when the trumpet's going to be blown and when the church is going to be raptured. Only the Father knows when that hour and day comes. It's a mystery even to Jesus, the Son. It's a mystery to all the angels. No one knows but the Father. How do I know that? Because the Bible is absolute truth. There's not one thing in here that is not truth. And Jesus never lied. If he said it, it's truth. He is the way and the truth and the life. The Father's the only one that knows, and it could come any moment, evening, midnight, daytime, morning. But the key is this, 
the key. The key is that we watch and pray and be prepared and be ready. It could come at any moment at any time, but we need to be prepared and ready and awake. Awake spiritually. Amen? And a crowning of the rooster, lest coming suddenly he find you what? Not eating, not drinking, sleeping. It's not wrong to sleep. We all need our six to eight hours. That's not what he means. It means find you sleeping spiritually. In other words, you're living in the flesh. You're not in the spirit. You're not even thinking about the Lord coming. It's not a big deal to you. Oh, it'll come. I'm not too concerned about it. It'll be, I know it says in the Bible he's coming. No, you need to watch and pray and be alert and be attentive and be awake spiritually. Why? You want to be found ready when he comes. Amen? And you want to help others to come to know him that they can be ready. Amen? And, and what I say to you, I say to all, look, watch. Now, that's pretty important when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the great I Am, said that word. He said, watch, 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 watch. He didn't say pray. He said, watch, and then we pray. <laughs> Amen? We want, it's very important that we learn that. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what our Lord Jesus is coming again. He's coming. Jesus is coming. It could be any time of the day or night. But the key is for you and I to watch, to be awake, to be alert, and be praying and seeking the Lord. Amen. Now, I'm going to give you a challenge. I'm giving you a challenge today, okay? Because I know what it's like. We get slothful. Each one of us does. We struggle with it. We struggle with discipline at times in our life. How many of you have ever struggled with procrastination? Where you just kind of put things off another day or another time. I'll get to it someday. We procrastinate. We do the same thing spiritually. I'm giving you a challenge today. I'm challenging you to begin to step up here in your life of prayer to watch and pray. And if the Lord awakens you, don't make an excuse. Get up, even if you've got to wake up and get out of bed, say, you know what? This is more important to do the will and obey the Holy Spirit than anything else. If he awakes you, if you go up to go to the bathroom, that's fine. But stay awake for another 10, 15 minutes and seek the Lord for a moment in your kitchen, in your bathroom. I don't care where, just seek the Lord. Go an extra mile. Take an, let's get to another level here spiritually where we begin to be individually believers and corporately where we truly are a church that prays. Not just in this building, but you and I are praying in our homes. We're watching and praying. I want to challenge you today. Today, begin to stay, take, take another level here, another step. Maybe it'll be a little bit earlier in the morning. Maybe you wake up a little earlier. Maybe you take it on your lunch break. Eat quicker, don't eat one day. Watch and pray. 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 Amen? Hallelujah. Let's go to the next slide. Praise the Lord Jesus. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be what? Well pleasing to him. The reason we watch and pray is we want to please our Father in heaven. We don't do it because it's something you got to do in order to get brownie points or to be, that, that's how you get your name in the book of life or that's how you get God's favor. We watch and pray because we want to please the one who gave himself for us. We want to please our Father in heaven and he already told us through his son Jesus on the earth, watch therefore, watch and pray so you know the day and the hour doesn't take you by surprise. 
That's why, so that we can be pleasing to him. How many want to be pleasing to your Father in heaven? Amen. And 1 Thessalonians, look what it says, that you also aspire to lead, look at this, you guys, to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Now, why has that got anything to do with watching and praying? It has a lot to do with it. This isn't just a suggestion right here for you and I as believers. We are to aspire to it. It is to be an unctioning in our life and in our heart and in our motive that we want to lead a quiet life and that you and I want to learn to mind our own business. you got enough things going on in your own life. Don't worry about everybody else's circumstances. Does that mean you don't care or bear each other's burdens? That's not what that means. In other words, don't be a know-it-all and don't be meddling into other people's business. That does, it's a waste of time. It's a distraction from the enemy. And to work with your own hands as we commanded you. How many know that this is what we should aspire to, live a quiet life? And you can't lead a quiet life if you are not have a life of prayer. You'll be full of frustration. You'll be full of distress. You're going to be nervous. You're going to be anxious. You're going to be fearful. If we watch and pray and seek the Lord, you'll be quiet in your spirit and you'll have quietness on the inside of you. And your home will be quiet to mind your own business and to do the work that God's called you to do with your own hands. Raise your hands right now if you have two of them. How many here only have one hand? Not one of you. Take these hands and do the work of the Lord. Do what God has called you to do with these hands. Whatever it might be. I don't, if it's on a computer, that's working with your hands. If it's driving, it's take, it takes your hands to do it. If it's lifting, whatever it is. If it's laying hands on people, it's laying in. But do what God has given you these hands to work. Amen. And take these two hands and lift them up once in a while. Hallelujah. Lift them up to the Lord and praise Him and thank Him. And say this with me. Maranatha. Say it again. Maranatha. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. We lift our hands and say, Lord, I don't want to be here. This isn't even my home. I'm ready to go and be with you. If you're not ready to go to be with the Lord, something's not right. We want to be, we want to be more there than here. Amen. And we want to make sure that we bring more with us and help others to come to know him so that they can go and be with the Lord as well. But we should want to be there more than here. This isn't our home. We're aliens and strangers, the Bible says. We're pilgrims, but our home is eternal. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Because as soon as Jesus comes, listen, as soon as the twinkling of an eye and we're raptured with the, 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 those that are asleep first are caught up and we're caught up with the Lord, we're going to be in his image and his likeness that quickly and guess what? You're not going to have a sore back, a sore knee. You ain't going to have no arthritis. You won't have no cancer. You won't have no dis disease or sickness in that. Amen? So we, we want to be there more than here. Amen. And the corrupt is going to become incorruptible. Amen? The mortal is going to become immortal. Amen? Why? Because of what Jesus Christ did for you and me. Amen. Hallelujah. We want to watch and pray, and we want to be found ready. Say that with me. I want to be found ready when Jesus Christ comes. The day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. He comes like a thief in the night. A thief comes usually, not nowadays as much, unfortunately. A thief will come at night when what? When people are asleep or they're not home. 
or they're not watching, they're not alert, they're not attentive to their surroundings. A thief comes sneakily, the back door, through a window, any way he can get in. To what? Steal and take. That's what the devil comes. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's like a thief, and he comes when he sees you slumbering and sleeping spiritually. He sees when you become procrastinating more. He sees it when you're not alert and attentive and awake spiritually. And he comes in and he tries to steal your joy, your peace. He comes to steal your health. He comes to steal finances out of you. Any way he can get at your joy and your peace. He hates you. He has a, de he has a desire in his heart to destroy you and destroy the body of Christ. Well, guess what? The Bible says this. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Amen. It suffers, yeah, but violence comes, so what? Let it come. We are soldiers in the army. A good soldier endures hardness. A good soldier endures hardness, and we face it, and where the Bible says the just live by faith, we walk by faith, not by sight. The Bible says that we are overcomers more than conquerors. Amen. How? Through Jesus Christ, in him alone. We have the victory. We have the overcoming power. We have wisdom from God. You should know how to protect, how to guard, how to watch and pray. It's all in here. This is our instruction manual. Amen. We should learn to how to become believers in these last days like the church has never seen. Amen. And I remember years ago, I don't remember if it was uh, David Wilkerson or some man of God, he had a dream, and in the dream, this humongous giant, picture like a uh, Goliath on steroids, humongous, probably, in, and I've seen a picture of his feet would be here and his head would be at that wall. And this humongous giant was strapped down with humongous ropes on his arms and legs and he couldn't move. And that represented in the dream or the vision, the church, asleep and slumbering, can't move, can't get up. But you know what? When the church rises up and comes out of their sleeping and their slumbering and we cry out to dry bones, Hallelujah, come alive, come alive, dry bones, and the church begins to wake up. It's not even any effort what happens. Just a little bit, snap, 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 snap. All of a sudden, that giant, which is the body of Christ, those that are watching and praying, rises up and says, no, we are not going to slumber and sleep. We are going to watch and pray, and we are going to be ready for the Lord's return. And we are going to be a church that prays and seeks the Lord and cries out to the Lord, and we are going to have a heart for those that are lost, blinded, and deceived. And the church begins to rise up, and what happens? The devil and all his hordes of demons go, oh, no, oh, my goodness, they're awake. They're, they're, they're going to those around them, all those demons and Satan. What's going on? Why are you so nervous? Look, that church on Bildall Street, they're awake, they're alert, they're praying, they're seeking the Lord, and they're drawing near to God. Oh, no, that army has risen up, and they're rising up, and they're going to do the work of the Lord. Amen? And it's effortlessly because we do it by the Spirit and not in our flesh. Amen. That's the only way we want to do it. Amen? For the for we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. And the Lord is pleased when the body of Christ, you and I, watch and pray. Watch and pray daily. We have a blessed hope in Jesus Christ because our faith is not in vain because he's risen from the dead. Our, we watch and pray, but we pray to a God that hears us and answers and responds because we have a blessed hope because our Savior is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Our faith is not futile and it's not in vain. Amen. We will soon, I wrote this down, we will soon 
very soon be with the Lord. You and I will be. Very soon. And 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says this, and I want to end with this verse. Listen to what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says this, Awake to righteousness and do not sin. That same word, awake to righteousness and sin not, or do not sin. Watch and pray. Awake. Search the heart. Search your heart. Have the Lord search you. Get your heart right with the Lord daily, monthly, weekly. Get right with the Lord. Watch and pray. And awake to righteousness and don't sin. If you sin, we have an advocate. Hallelujah. Confess your sin quickly and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me right now in my unrighteousness. And go on and begin to walk in the Spirit. Like the Spirit said through Pastor Judy this morning. Some of you didn't catch it. You didn't hear it because the fan was going and Pastor Judy didn't have a microphone. But it doesn't matter. It was by the Spirit. And this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and I this moment right now. Drink in. Drink in the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Ghost, led by the Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and drink in the Spirit so that you can be full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, full of peace, full of joy, and likeness and image of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So drink more of it. Drink in the Holy Spirit. More and more. And you can walk in the power and that anointing that comes from the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many want your prayers to make an effect on the earth? In the atmosphere. In your circumstances. In your situation. Your prayers matter. Amen. They do. So continue to watch and pray. Tanya, I'm going to ask you to come up. And I'm going to end with this. I want us to go over this song again. If you can get it, Cecil. Come alive, the dry bones. I want us to sing this song. And as we sing this song, imagine that big giant coming alive, the church, awaking. Amen? Alive and awaking, coming up, snapping those big ropes that are tying him down. And then the, the giant standing up, which is the body of Christ, and marching on and doing the will of God before he comes. Amen? Hallelujah. That's what we want to be. We want to occupy until he comes. And that means watch and pray. Watch and pray often. Let's sing that song together. Rescue. 
daughter, bring us back the wayward sons. And by your spirit, breathe upon them, show the world that you alone can save.
Real life is death born. Say that with me. Real life is death born. Now, doesn't that sound like a contradiction? It almost sounds, uh, okay, that's a backward sentence there or something. Real life is death born. And what do I mean by that? All real life is death born. The more real the death is, the truer the life. Amen? When you plant seeds, do they have to be in good ground to bring, to bring a crop? Can we take corn seed or grass seed and lay it out on that cement out there and expect it to grow in the spring? No, it has to be where it's going to grow and be fruitful and be energized and have nutrients on it. You and I need to die in order to bring forth life. Amen? The world and the world system says this. Humanity and man is good, and we just need to keep elevating and elevating ourselves up and building ourselves up as humanity, and mankind needs to build, build themselves up, build up, build up. That's opposite of the gospel. The gospel says a man needs to realize he's a sinner and he needs a savior. And unless he dies and crucified with Christ, he won't have no life. Amen. Jesus said that no man is good, not even one. There's only one that was good. And who was that? Jesus is the only one that is good. Think about this. If man is so good... Jesus would have left heaven and came to earth and done a few miracles and signs and wonders and then went back. He didn't come to earth because man is good. He come to earth, why? Because man needs a savior. Man is sinful and wicked and needs to turn and repent of their sin. Jesus didn't come just to do signs and wonders and miracles to confirm who he was. He came to go to the cross so that you and I can have death like he did and experience life as he did. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's go right to the first scripture here. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Say that with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us, in him before the foundation of the world. How many believe that was a long time ago? Amen. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ created us and we were formed and had a purpose and a plan that God had for you and I before the foundation of the world. That what? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now how many of you have been holy your whole life? How many of you here are blameless? We all have things that we've done. We all have, uh, sometimes uh, we look at our past and we shake our head. But you know what? In the eyes of God, he sees you and I holy and blameless when we're what? In Christ. His blood speaks eternally. And it speaks for you. And it speaks for me. And it speaks to God and says, that is my child. That is my son and my daughter. I see the blood of Jesus Christ on them. They are holy and blameless before me. Before the world and the whole earth was created and formed, I already knew that that one was going to be mine. And they are holy and blameless. Why? Because in heaven, can there be any sin? No. It has to be holy and blameless in heaven. And that's going to be what the way it is because that's who God is, having predestined us to adoption as sons 
by Jesus Christ, where? To himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. How many believe that God's will brings good pleasure to him? When you and I walk in God's will, it pleases him. God, say this, God likes to be pleasured. It pleasures God that I walk in his will. Amen. And his will is that you and I are holy and blameless. And unless a person dies to themselves and becomes crucified with Christ and comes up... Now listen. We've been taught that it's important to have a resurrected life. A resurrected life and that we come up new. You and I need to come up completely reborn as a believer. We come up reborn. We don't sugarcoat and color in any way the past that we have before we came to Christ. Does that make sense? You don't, you don't laugh about it. You don't make fun about it. You don't joke about the things that you did in darkness. When you become born again, all things become new. And that resurrected life becomes a life where you begin, listen, there's two aspects to this. I have to point to this so you and I can stay focused. There's two aspects to the cross of Calvary. You've got one aspect is this. Jesus Christ came to heaven, laid down his life and went to the cross so you and I can have peace with God and have redemption and forgiveness. The other aspect of the cross is this, that we can share in the fellowship of the cross. We come to get redemption, we come to get forgiveness, we come to get acceptance of the Lord and become a child and a daughter of the Most High and we become born again. But then there's the other aspect of the cross where Jesus said, unless a man takes up his cross daily and follows me, he cannot be my disciple. So the cross has the aspect of forgiveness and redemption and the aspect of sharing in the fellowship of what happened on that cross. It was a high price to pay. And Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, if you're a believer today, requires you and I on a daily basis to say, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to do my own thing and go my own way in the flesh, in my carnality. I am a believer, therefore I'm going to share in the fellowship of that cross and I'm going to lay down my desires, my wishes, my dreams, my hopes for my life and remind myself it's not my life, it's his life. This isn't even my body, it belongs to the Holy Spirit. I'm now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So all that I do, God, I want to share in the fellowship of the cross and lay down that cross and take up that cross and say, you know what? No longer I, but Christ that lives in me. Amen? Amen. We need to become more and more selfless instead of selfish. Amen. Just think about what was said during the offering. We all have an issue with that. It's so easy to go through and spend a little bit here, a little bit there, and you look back like, man, I just wasted a lot of money. That was foolish of me. And you think, man, that, the... the $20 you spent at a drive-thru could have went in that basket to help somebody that was in need more than your stomach was. And I'm not bringing condemnation here. I'm just trying to bring conviction. Because sometimes we need that. We don't need our ears tickled. 
We don't need our ears tickled. You can go to another church and get tickling ears. What you need today is conviction so that you leave here repentant and changed and you leave with joy and gladness and peace and a clear conscience. When you have a clear conscience, it brings strength to what? Your faith. When you have a clear conscience, you don't want to live in sin and darkness and do wrong. You want to do what's right and please the Lord. There's an inner joy and peace in you that says, uh-uh, I want to do what's right. I have a clear con No, I want, to, I want to have that clear conscience daily, not just on Sunday morning, but during the week because you know you're doing what's right. Look at your neighbor and say, amen. Amen, amen. it's true. We need that in our life. I want to read something for a minute. Out of a, you know, Pastor Matt, I like old books. And this book was written. It's interesting. I just now thought of it. I just now thought of it. This book is called Come Hither. It was written in 1948. What else happened in 1948? Israel became a nation. What else happened in 1948? It's not as nearly as important as Israel, but 1948, if I remember correctly, was the year where Billy Graham was in a tent in California. I believe it was in Los Angeles in 1948, and his ministry began in that year. And right around this time frame, Oral Roberts' ministry began. 1948 was significant. I want to read something out of this book in regards to the cross. It says this, Come hither, come hither, you beloved. Do you long to live the death-born life? I'm going to read that again. Do you long to live the death-born life? where you're dead to self daily. A death-born life. Resurrected, listen, resurrected life, not just one raised. There is much in this distinction. The teaching of human philosophy is that we are to raise humanity to a higher plane. This is not the gospel. The teaching of the gospel is that corrupt humanity must die and sink out of sight and then be resurrected, not raised. We need resurrection, not just raise. Humanity and human philosophy wants to raise us up, build us up. That's why you go to so many churches nowadays and they puff you up and pump you up. You're great. You're wonderful. It doesn't matter if you fail. It doesn't matter. There's, all, not, there's not one winner. Everybody wins. Everybody's a winner. They build you up. It's about what you look like, what you smell like, what you drive, what you wear. It's all about you, you, you. That's not Christianity. That's not the gospel. The gospel says, I'm, I'm lost, I'm blinded, I'm deceived, and I need a Savior. And it's not about me, it's about Him. Amen? And it's a re resurrected... Resurrection is not improvement. Listen to this. Resurrected life is not improvement. Do we live in a day and age where everything is what? Self-improvement. It's about self. That's not the gospel. Resurrection is not improvement and it is not elevation. But it is a new supernatural life lifting us from, listen, nothingness into God and making us partakers of the divine nature. It is a new creation infinitely above the highest plane of an earthly life. Let us not take less than the resurrection kind of life. Amen? Is that powerful? We, you and I need a, need a resurrected life, not just a raised up life. A building an up of you. Now, should we not encourage one another? We should. In fact, I'm a strong believer in this, that one of the greatest ministries anybody can have as a Christian is a, is a ministry like Barnabas, where you constantly encourage one another. 
Now the key here, when you have that ministry and that calling on your life, when you encourage people, it's crucial that you do it with the right intent and a right motive. Because the Bible says this, that we are not to go around flattering one another. You don't have a flattering tongue. That is not encouragement, where you're trying to get somebody's favor, or you're trying to manipulate and be, and you do nice things, but it's with a wrong intent or motive to flatter them, to impress them, because you want them to like you. Amen? Am I, am I hitting some things here? Okay, when you encourage somebody, you do it out of a resurrected light that says, I am encouraging you because I love my neighbor as I love myself. How many of you here need encouragement? Then you should encourage. How many of you here need love? Then you should love others. How many of you here need forgiveness? Then you forgive. How many of you here don't like it when somebody slanders you? Then don't slander. Amen. Live a resurrected life. Amen. You not a raised life, a resurrected life. And we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above principalities, far above powers of darkness and the prince of the power of the air. You and I are actually seated in Christ because when the Bible says that we were crucified with Christ because we were in Christ when he went to the cross. How do we know that? Because it says before the foundation of the world, it says before the foundation of the world, we should be holy and blame in love before him. He already knew who was going to be his adopted sons and daughters. He was already predestined who those were going to be. Does that mean that we don't go and share the gospel because we're not sure if they're already predestined? No. You go in faith and only God knows that. You're not God. He is. Amen. We were in Christ in the cross. Amen. That's what motivated him. He loved the world so much that he gave himself and laid himself down. He went willingly to the cross. Amen. Now in Romans' time, and back then, it was the most crucial, agonizing death and hideous death because it was in public. So when, a, when somebody was found guilty, found guilty, and once they were laid on that cross, that was their life done, over. Listen to what I'm saying spiritually now. When they laid themselves down on that cross and they were nailed to the cross for what they did wrong, their life was done and over. And now they had to do what? They had to carry the cross to where they told them to carry it. And, of course, we know where Jesus was. He carried the cross. But when they carried the cross and those that could see visually those carrying the cross, they knew... Their family and friends knew this was the last that we will see of that fella. That's it. His life is over and done. Same thing for you and I spiritually. When we crucify our flesh and we deny ourselves daily the things that we desire or the things that we want or the things we think we need, when we crucify that flesh and take up our cross daily, we're saying to the friends and family in the world, this is no longer me. And put your name right there. This is no longer Matt Rickard. I am not living for self today. It is not about Matt Rickard. It is not about, and then put your name in there. It's about him. And I'm nailing myself to the cross for I've been crucified with Christ and I am going to take up my cross and I'm going to follow Jesus. Amen. How many want to follow Jesus? Then you have to receive the forgiveness 
and get born again. But then the second aspect of the cross is you and I need to learn to share in the fellowship of that cross. The death of it. Amen? Laying your life down for the Lord. Amen. God's not looking for just people that believe. He's looking for those that believe and are committed. He's not looking for just people that want to believe in their head, but believe in their heart so much and so strongly that they no longer live for themselves. They live for only for the one who died for them and gave himself for them. Amen. He's looking for people like you and I that are committed, dedicated, loyal, genuine, sincere, authentic in our Christian life and our Christian walk with the Lord. And you have to look at yourself in the mirror. I don't care if it's your bathroom mirror, your mirror in your car, and look at yourself this week and say, are you a true Christian? Are you truly following Christ? Amen? Because it comes back to you. You can't live a life for somebody else. It's your decision and your choice how you live your life. You can't live it for someone else. We want to. And the problem is we want to change everybody to what we want them to be like instead of valuing the differences in everybody in this room. I'm just going to say in this room, not the whole world, your workplace, we need to value the differences of everybody in this building right now and appreciate the differences in each one of us. Can I hear an amen on that? And value them in the way that God values them. God doesn't love you more than he loves somebody else. We're all loved equally by the Lord, unconditionally. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? Amen, amen, amen. Let's go to the other scripture here. 1 Corinthians 15, 36, it says this, Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. We don't want to be foolish and think that we can just say a sinner's prayer and go to church on Sunday, but not live a death life during the week where we die to ourselves and crucify our flesh daily, take up our cross daily and follow the Lord, and live not selfishly, but selflessly. We have to do what it says. You sow is not made alive unless it dies. Amen? I'm around a lot of cornfields out by Lena and Winslow and Orangeville, cornfield after cornfield. Now, there would be none of those cornfields if the farmer didn't go out and plant them. And they had to go into the ground and die to bring up the harvest. Amen? Same thing with my life and your life. You and I need to sow the word of God in our lives, in our hearts. Sow the word of God. The word is the seed. That's what Jesus said. The word in that parable is the seed. The word of God sown in your heart. And what happens when you sow it in good ground? It comes up out of the ground and out of your mouth. And you begin to speak the word. You begin to speak the word over your life, over your children, over your marriage, over your homes. Every way you're, the word of God consumes you because it's the seed that brings forth what? Righteousness, hope, godliness, faith, all of that. It brings forth good things in your life. Amen? We find true fellowship in following Christ. We find true fellowship. That's what God wants for you and I today. Listen, he wants you and I to have intimacy. Intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ in an intimate way where you really know the Lord and you hear his voice and you know his voice and you know that he loves you daily, you, you, you feel his presence and his love for you, that intimacy where you talk to him like a friend and you respect him and honor him like he, who he is, that he is God. 
And that intimacy, listen now, that intimacy with the Lord as you begin to die to things in your life, die to the fleshly desires and the addictions and the habits in your life, and you begin to die to them, the intimacy between you and the Lord Jesus Christ grows. It increases. By 4th of July, where should the corn be? Knee-high by 4th of July. If it's not knee-high by the 4th of July, that, that farmer's getting a little nervous. It needs to start growing and increasing. So what? He can have a harvest. You and I should be growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ through intimacy and sharing in the fellowship of His suffering daily. Growing in intimacy with the Lord. Knowing Him, loving Him, honoring Him with your life. And saying, Lord God, search me and know my heart. If there's any wicked way in me, point it out. I'm not embarrassed or ashamed. You know everything anyway. Show me. Reveal to me. Show it like a mirror. Reflection to me, God. Because I know you're merciful. You're gracious. The Bible says you're slow to anger. You're quick to pardon. So, Lord, here it is. Here's my struggle, my weakness. I'm not going to hide it. Show it. Reveal it to me, God, so I can have intimacy with you. I can have healing and forgiveness with you, God. Amen. Amen. So we grow and grow and grow and increase. And become what? Famous? Well-known? No, we, we, we can become all that he wants us to be. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord God. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ came and sowed his life here. Then he died and brought forth resurrection power and resurrected life. Je I'm going to say that again. Jesus Christ came and, and he gave his life here on earth. Then he died and brought forth resurrection power and resurrection life so that he can bring honor and glory to the Father who he came to do the will. 
He did the Father's will. He brought glory and honor to the Father. And the Father says, you did exactly what I asked, my son. You now have your right place at the right hand of the throne. You are seated at the right hand of throne in glory where the angels are ever speaking, holy, holy, holy. And then the Lord Jesus Christ says, come hither, come to me. Come to me, little one. Come to me, child. Come, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. And I will make you like me, so that you can come and be with me. So if you have things today in your life where, like the word just came forth, let those things go. Let it go. Begin to make changes in your life. Not tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. Make a change today. Start with one thing. One thing that is a major hindrance in your life so that you can come hither to the Lord and draw near to him with a clear conscience. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. How many are thankful that God is faithful? He is faithful. Oh, glory to Jesus Christ. Worthy is a lamb of God that was slain. Right now, just close your eyes. Close your eyes, lift your hands, and just say, Holy Spirit of God, bring conviction in my heart of anything that hinders my walk with you. I repent this morning of the hindrance and sin in Jesus' name, amen. Listen to me, precious ones, precious saints of God. If you remember anything, remember this. And I'm going to say it with my eyes closed. Don't look at anybody else. Look to yourself. You can't change nobody. Change yourself. Let God change them. You pray and intercede for them and let God do what he has to do in them. You can't change them. Let God be God. Amen. And you work on you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That's how we get revival. But you can't have revival without unity. You got to have unity among the brethren. You got to have one mind and one spirit, and what happens? The Holy Ghost shows up, and the earth and the place where we meet together will begin to shake under the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. With unity, unity in the spirit. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Something happened when the Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning and told Amiraz. I went to her and I said, would you like to wave a flag this morning? And she smiled and said, yes. And I went and got the red flag, this red flag. I grabbed this flag right here and as I handed it to Amira's, I didn't know I was going to say this. I believe it was by the Spirit of God. I handed Amira's this flag, trying to teach her that it's not just waving the flag. It's not just waving the flag for appearance or for show or to make it look pretty. I said, Amiras, when you wave this red flag, that red flag represents the blood of the Lamb. Amen. When you wave the flag, Amiras, 
Remind yourself as you're waving it. The blood of Jesus brings forgiveness, forgiveness, healing, restoration through the blood of the Lamb. Amen? And I believe strongly that as she did this and Becky began to do this, that something took place in the spirit realm that we couldn't see. Amen. God uses, listen, God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. How do I know that? He's using me. He's using me. He uses the foolish things to confound the wise. He doesn't use those that are noble. He doesn't use those that are necessarily extremely highly educated. He uses the, those that are least expected to be used. So it, be careful. It could be you that God wants to use and will use you. He's not looking for someone great. You don't have to have a PhD on your wall or a master's degree. Is there anything wrong with those? Absolutely not. More power to you if you have them. But he's looking for somebody that comes hither and says, Lord, change me. Change me. I want to be like you today. I want to follow Jesus. Amen? Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Father, I just thank you for the, each precious saint of God here today. Lord, may we leave encouraged, full of love and faith and peace, reign and rule, Lord God. And Lord, we come together in faith and agreement. The word says that we walk by faith, not by sight. The word says we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by not what we see, what we hear, but we walk by what we believe. And we together today believe that this place will have a revival, that every chair will be full and filled. More than one service, that many people in this city will be shaken and moved and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And we thank you for that. And everybody said, Amen. Go and draw near to the Lord this week and let that thing go that's been hindering you. Can I hear an Amen? Amen, Amen, Amen. God loves you. Jesus loves you. And the Holy Spirit of God is in you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus.